0: underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer flexible budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals get more cool facts about united healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com
1: so (coughs) if i cough a bit apologies uh during the weekend i've come down with something horrible um so but we're all good you can't catch it through the internet, so you're fine. Hey, just drink that cupper, sir. Drink oh, that cuppa. I bought a, it's a Lemsip. I thought I'm gonna have a Lemsip for I oh, chat with Kip Sabian. I haven't had a LEMSIP for <laughs> a long time. Did they do them over there? I, I probably
2: somewhere. But here's the crazy thing, right? And this is the thing that shocks most people, especially in America. I am not that bothered about tea. Oh, but crazy, that's the right? stereotypical thing. Everyone thinks that I speak like this and I like to drink tea. That's pretty much what most people assume. But I like a cup of tea, but like my mum and dad or you know my friends, they wake up in the morning and it's like, oh, I need that cuppa to start the day. I'm like nah man (laughs) Pump me with this Pump me with some form of energy drink Where I have hardly any idea What the contents of this drink are But I'll (laughs) drink it anyway
1: now arriving on cultaholic island all the way uh from from the united states but a british lad born and bred uh, making his way in the world of america and in the world of all elite wrestling we are joined uh, by aew's own kip sabian kip how you doing hello mate yeah no i'm doing very good very good <laughs> i i
2: definitely drank my tea this morning because i'm british and i love tea <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're already lying i like it yeah I'm lying. Two things to start. One, uh, how nice of AEW to book the next all-in on your birthday. I thought that was really kind of them. Well, so here's the thing. I made a mistake. Oh. I I, I get this a lot.
2: So, (laughs) But you haven't uh, deleted the tweet. Well, so my wording was incorrect. So people that, that are part of my Twitch streams or the YouTube or my wife, they know that I'll refer to myself as Big Daddy Kip, right? So Daddy Kip is just like a... You know, especially in this day and age, the word daddy is has, has definitely changed its meaning quite a lot. Oh yes. So I said about August 25th, it's Daddy Kip's birthday. So everyone assumed that Daddy Kip was me. However, in my mobile phone, mobile phone, that sounds in my smartphone, <laughs> Daddy Kip is my father. So it's my dad's birthday. Ah. And I didn't look at my phone for like a couple of hours and everyone had basically said like, oh, happy birthday for this. (laughs) And I was like, I guess, well, that's that's the way it is now. So even more so importantly, it's my dad's birthday, which is pretty cool because it means I get to be in England for my dad's birthday, which... Living across the pond is not
1: always available to me. Exactly. You've got a good reason to go over there now, a, working, I a busman's holiday reason. I, I do. To go over there. Uh, but on the subject, but the other thing I was going to say on the subject of um, All In, uh, going back to August, I'd like to say that, mate, if no one else did, I appreciated the bulldog joke. Oh, thank you. Right. I I was okay. so upset, and I think the lads from O.S.W. review were the same when you crack that great line uh, from SummerSlam '92: the kid saying British Bulldog's going to win whether he wants whether to or he not. Wants to or not. And you've got Anthony AgoGo there. You've got Paul White there. You have got, got Renee Paquette, and just nothing. Just nothing.
2: Uh, right. So the funny story behind that you. is <laughs> that's been an in, that's been an in joke between so uh, the old video game world. Me, me my friend, and Kenny Omega, that's our in-joke, whether he wants to or not. (laughs) we send it around to each other. So as soon as as I was doing it, all I was aiming it for was for my friends to laugh. I (laughs) thought it'd be a really funny in-joke. And then, thankfully, people like yourself understood the joke there, which made it so much more worth it. Because from the start of that onwards, I was like, how can I get this in? So I managed to get it in when talking about Kenny's match, which made it even more like, you know, bang on the money. So, yeah, I'm glad you appreciated that one. Did Kenny appreciate
1: it at least? Of course he did. Yes. (laughs) I'm glad of it.
2: He was going to have to
1: appreciate it, whether he wants to or not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh That's kip sabian whether you want to or not you join us on cultaholic island uh i where wanted you... to i wanted well, to Tom. i wanted i'm, to. I'm glad okay. that you're here because uh you you have to pack with you uh three wrestling matches to watch i know it was, was really here. hard it was really hard so we're gonna go through it throughout the interview pick them one by yeah. one by one but okay. uh, so we'll start with your first one kip what would you like your first match to be okay so when I was thinking of what matches I'd choose, I wanted to kind of not
2: choose, kind of lying with it a little bit because there's matches I didn't want to choose because they're the matches that everyone would say. So I threw one of those matches in. So the one match that we'll start with, because we'll get to my favorite match of all time at the end, I think that's the, that's the way you book these things, right? So the first match that as I'd been wrestling, God, Not that long, maybe long. I can't remember. Basically everything rolls into one in professional wrestling, but it was Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker won. That was the, right. So for me, especially, you know, being younger in, in wrestling at this point, it was just a different ball game altogether for like the story that was told throughout the match from start to finish that, I think up to that point, I'd not really fully grasp the psychology of pro wrestling, I guess. Because I feel like as a wrestler, and wrestlers will always talk about this, you have moments in wrestling where you have this, like my trainer, uh, I used to always say this, like you have like a, a click moment. There's a moment where you go, Oh, I understand that now. And you get them constantly throughout wrestling. And I think that match itself. As a spectacle of storytelling and the build up for it and everything just felt like the perfect ending to that story that they had. Now, I'm not taking away from the second one they had, but the first one for me had more of an impact because it shocked me so much for how,
1: you know, how, how, and the finish. It was such a great finish. So are we talking bad blood for the first one?
2: No, we're going forwards because I'm... We're going to the 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 uh the 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 pre Shawn Michaels retirement match, the year before retirement.
1: Oh right. So and when you said coming. the first one, yeah, in no, my great, head great. I was in I was in like nineteen ninety six uh, going, uh, oh,
2: What was the one? Yeah, I'm yeah. Me, me, at four, <laughs> me, at, me, at, me at four years old going, I'm I
1: understand wrestling. <laughs> you know, this mummy, mommy, I don't believe Sean Michaels has been booked appropriately. <laughs> Who's booking this? Who's booking this? He's booking this shit. I could do a bad job. <laughs> no, no,
2: no, sorry. I should have probably so in my brain the way mm. that I would always talk about it would be that would be Shawn Michaels Undertaker 1 right. and then the retirement match would be Shawn Michaels Undertaker 2. Like as I see it in like two two parts. The like, fascinating thing about one. those
1: two matches as well though is they kind of glue together. They do. Which is a, which is an incredible thing to have. It's like they watched the. It was like they watched the first one back completely, then went, "Okay, we're just going to pretend that that match has carried on." Yeah, continued. <laughs> so it was which great. Is, so, which is probably why that first one resonates so true, because you have all the pieces put in place for the the second one, which makes it all the more interesting. Yeah, and it's one of those matches.
2: You know, there's so, that's why it was so hard. There's so many matches that you can choose from. That you could watch over and over again. Like it's really hard. Like as soon as you as as soon as you said three matches, I was like, oh man, this is I I always have one that I'll always say that we'll go into later. That one it just straight away, boom, there we are. Um, but yeah, it was really hard to try and think of a uh I guess like an American, like pro wrestling story contained into just one match that that had this like great emotions the near falls near the end are amazing like it yeah it it was an amazing match for me and it
1: it it had that click moment of me going oh i understand this different level of wrestling now you can you know? remember can you remember like where in that match you had the click moment was there a particular m- spot or instance in that match where you went aha as
2: soon as the bell rang yeah there's this weird thing to say I was watching it around one of my buddy's house because we'd always go around to watch the pay-per-views and we'd all chip in like a fiver or whatever we did uh, to watch these pay-per-views because I didn't have Sky or whatever we were watching on at the time. And I can remember the exact seat I was sitting in when that match was on and how it started with me being... Because, it you know, you're from the UK, you understand. It's late at night. And during these long pay-per-view events, there's moments where you start to like like dawdle off a little bit. And I remember I was sitting back on his couch. There's like a bunch of my buddies around and the match started. And as the match carried on minute by minute, it got me moving forward and forward. And then I was on the floor and then I was like pretty close to the TV. And by the time the moonsault comes in, I was like, and it had me, it had me, as a wrestler, it's really hard to have those moments where you become a fan. Again, And even now, talking about it, I feel like, you know, it, it. it gets that, like, you forget about the fact that you understand wrestling. You understand how the moves work. You understand how the psychology of wrestling works. You understand how, you know, the booking. You understand all of this stuff. But it's matches like that where it takes you out of that and you become just a pure fan again. Like what I was saying to you before we started about how, back in the day, I think we viewed wrestling very differently because we weren't as uh, exposed to the business side of wrestling. Like I, I never talked about business when I was a wrestling fan as a kid. There was no talk of it. It was just, did you see this? Yes, that was amazing. Oh, did you watch this match? Oh, I missed it. I've I've recorded it. Like it was that kind of vibe. And that match, when I watch it, takes me out of being a wrestler. I forget I'm a wrestler and I'm back to being a fan again. And I love that about
1: wrestling. So it was about a year after this that you uh, made your official debut, if my records are correct. But I know by this point, surely, you and Will Ospreay would have been fighting in Will Ospreay's (laughs) garden.
2: (laughs) Right? Let's just, for a second, again, I'm so happy that Will is in AEW now.
1: I thought uh, you'd be chuffed that your mate was in. Very chuffed,
2: very chuffed. Um, yeah. So, so I met Will originally. Um, so, in the backyard wrestling community. So, we all had these. Do you know what? Backyard wrestling back when I was backyard wrestling was way more organized than English professional wrestling at that point.
1: <laughs> I'd now. argue that it's still probably. It's in some it promotions. Is, well, <laughs> it was the. So, you know, we
2: talk like. And again, this is for you gamers out there, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But during the pandemic, there was like this war zone. Call of Duty war zone was like everything. And it was like this boom period where it just blew up. Backyard wrestling, when I was backyard wrestling, it, that was like the backyard wrestling blow up situation because you had so many talented guys, but we all had our own little territories, I guess. So I would, me and my great Yarmouth uh we we were called CCW and we would rent out a, a really run down like dance studio slash gym and we would uh we would rent it out we'd have gym mats on the floor and we'd have like a gymnastics horse would be our top rope right and we would wrestle there and we had our own storylines and we'd film it on the camera and like we'd edit together mvs and that kind of stuff and that was what we were doing and then uh you'd have will who was with his group which was rcwa at the time and they were doing the same thing in a different hall in Raynham, Essex. And every and we'd all be posting things on the forum. Like, I mean, I wasn't on the forum. It was our guy was the one posting everything on the forum. But every so often, guys from different backyard wrestling feds would take a train or a cart it, like load together, and they would come to wherever you were wrestling. So I met Will through that scenario when we travelled to RCWA to do like an interfed, we'd call it, and. We both were just crazy, like, just, su- I'm an ADHD kid, so I was very bouncy off the walls at this point. And we just instantly formed this, like, friendship. So we started talking more. I would then travel on my own to RCWA, and then I'd wrestle there. We would do some live events as well, where we'd get, like, you know, for a pound, like, paying fans would come, and they'd... they'd Will had a ring, which was, you know, that changes everything. When you have a ring, you know, good luck, Will. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's, show off. There,
2: there's me practicing <laughs> my spots in my backyard on grass. <laughs> as well as his own ring in his backyard. But yeah, so we formed this friendship that, you know, we we were the best of mates. I stayed around his house more times than I can remember. I would just get a train on my own and I'd be there for a few days. And his uh, his parents would put me up and we'd just watch wrestling. We loved watching old TNA. We wanted to be the Motor City Machine Guns for a long time. Uh, we even teamed together as Mile High where we basically did Motor City Machine Gun spots, mixed in with some young bucks, bang, more bang for your buck back when young Kippy could do a 450 splash.
1: <laughs> and,
2: uh, yeah, it was. It's it's great to now see after all this time that my oldest friend in wrestling that is still wrestling, number one, I've always been the biggest Will fan. Um, I've always said, even when he first started switching over to pro wrestling, which was like much later than me, I've always said that he's going to be the best wrestler in the world. And to see the development from Will, from when he first started wrestling on really small, maybe two or three people independent shows in a random sports hall to then, you know, Tokyo Dome, like just the way that he's developed as a wrestler is just, yeah, It's phenomenal. So I'm I'm super excited that Will's there, but as you can tell, Tom, I tend to go on rambles and rants. And and, and I'm happy to let you. Be prepared to have to guide me back to what the original situation was, but yeah. I I promise you, you go go on
1: all the flights and fancies you like, I promise you I'll always bring you home. You're all good.
2: Look at this, we're forming a
1: bond now. (laughs) (laughs) But I love the fact that there are people that may even still live in Essex that saw Kip Saving and Will Osprey for a pound. I think that's great. I, 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 they would not recognize me at all. Because you had like 400 different looks. Like, Because I, I was at a show where you were on in 2018. You made a, a trip to the northeast of England uh, to do M.E.W. And you tagged with my boy and uh, your boy, Amir Jordan. Oh, yeah, and so much. To, he's and to, to, but to see how you look there to now and all the bits in between like you've you've changed your look up so often hey, daddy glowed up daddy, <laughs> I, said
2: this, I said this to live the other day when we were getting ready to go out somewhere i went man you made the right choice i was like i, <laughs> like, I thought i was attractive back then but this like keitha sutherland lost boys vibe is uh is hitting the nail on the head yeah, He yeah. was like You've always been attractive to me And I was like babe I look back at old pictures of me And you know You did me a solid You did me a favour
1: You're very close to doing an Alan Partridge. they go, come here You lucky hey. lucky lady No one understands that kind of humour over here It's really sad it is, Do you know what It, it is sad And I, and I realised it when uh, It was an NXT UK show And it, I think it might have even been in Norwich and dan morrissey was on and triple h was in the ring and everybody started shouting dan dan and then he went i don't know what you're talking about and then they started chatting <laughs> alan partridge and he went no nope, i <laughs> still don't know what you're talking about uh
2: mate wrestling fans in the uk are a different breed and i love oh, it we're that's cut a little, a little different which well, little which is
1: why so many people which is why they keep coming the WWE and aew and all that and tna recently keep coming over here
2: it's a footy fan base that's why i like it it reminds me of going to a footy game
1: yeah, howdy.
2: They decide to create the most ridiculous chance ever, and it catches on. Like Wembley this year, just hearing the fans in such a big scope was just like I, I, I did the stuff that I was doing, and then I went out there to specifically into the crowd to watch Will's match, uh, to watch Will come out.
1: Elevation, <laughs> ele-
2: <laughs> elevating like, dude. It was unreal,
1: <laughs> unreal. So, you obviously, you and Will, we've talked about it. You guys uh, feuding across the, uh, warehouse wars, essentially. On the hey, I beat on- Will more times than he's beat me. Oh, True story. Three, three
2: two is the official professional record. Wouldn't uh, it be terrible if that
1: got out I, into the free world? And- I feel
2: like I keep telling people this. This would be where wait, wait, Kip's, Kip's had more wins against Will than Will's had against Kip. We
1: gotta, we gotta book that match. The, well would be terrible little, if they heard poor,
2: it. Poor little kippy, poor
1: little kippy. <laughs> <laughs> but you do it and you, and oh, it's 4 3. Okay, fine. Book it, you ten, cowards. 10 3, ten 3. Oh my ten god, three? he's running away right now. He's oh, running away. But these features, <laughs> ambassador, you're spoiling us. Yeah. Um, so wrestling was always in your bones, but um, had it not been wrestling, had wrestling not come along for you in the way that it did, what life path do you think you would have gone down?
2: Tom, um, you're busting out some great questions today. Thank you. Really good. Um, so I, that's a funny one. Um, so I played tennis when I was younger. That was my sport that I played from like the age of, my dad will correct me, but I think it was like three or four was when I had my first tennis lesson, I guess. And I played tennis till I started wrestling. I was a skateboarder. I i had a lot of different hobbies, but but tennis was like my, we put so much into tennis. I played tennis, I had like four lessons a week and I was entering competitions and playing a lot. Um, I was much smaller back then. I, I I was a very small, small child that then just blew up in college. Um, music would probably be where I would have gone. Um, prior to moving here, I was in a band um, and I sang and I played guitar and we traveled around and we did a lot of small gigs and, it, and we wrote. God knows how many albums that S- S- Lord Lord Steve Farrell who wrestles at DOA wrestling shout out to Steve uh who was again a backyard wrestling legend that has finally gone and started doing professional wrestling which is amazing. Uh he was the the lead singer slash so, uh, slash lyricist and I was the the songwriter and uh yeah music would have been where I went if I hadn't had a match when I first moved here against the bad apple Matt Macintosh, uh, lovely man, but in the match, uh, something went wrong and I got punched in the throat. And when I got punched in the throat, I lost a specific amount of my vocal range that has never come back. So I now, when I try and sing, I, I, I lose the between the, so seeing my old stuff, do you remember the old intro that I would do when I was wrestling? I used to do the heartbreaking, nightmaking, hunky's tongue, handsome, hunk, mm. your girlfriend's favorite wrestler, the crown prince of professional wrestling, and then I'd say super bad very high.
1: Super bad. Check yeah. this out, ready? Go on. I'm
2: gonna do the whole thing for you right now. It's the first time I've done this since since the UK. You're ready. All
1: right, all right. Take your time. Here it comes. Introducing the heartbreaking
2: night making hunkiest hunk handsome hustler and your girlfriend's favorite wrestler the crown prince of professional wrestling none other than i can't do it i can't go high high. so that's why i stopped doing the super bad because i can't do it
1: and it's and it's definitely because and it's definitely because it's damaged it's definitely because it's damaged the the reason i ask is because um I, i sometimes i've lost that previously and it was vocal polyps Oh, and it's a case of you can have surgery you can have stuff done to have the vocal polyps removed oh surgery i don't need any more surgeries <laughs> i thought you'd up. like a bit more surgery no i'm i'm going for the current age billy idol where it's like a very nasty <coughs> singing voice now that's, that's i mean i mean you i mean your voice is delicious anyway but i'm just saying right. if you wanted to look into that i remember i had a similar thing and it was vocal polyps on my vo- on my voice no box.
2: way mm. i mean to be fair that might be something you know if i ever if I ever get yeah. a little bit of the old time ski out, maybe that's uh
1: They're not, I mean, I might be wrong. And they're, and they're not like mega bad for you, but yeah, yeah, they yeah. are, uh, they're not super bad for you. Yeah, it was an um, spin.
2: They lost can my... uh,
1: have some damage. They can do some, some, well, it could, well, could, it could have been Apple, it could have been Macintosh doing that.
2: Well, it, it, it was from that moment onwards that I lost the, the height. Cause I, my voice went for like a week. Like I was literally <laughs> like this for a minute. It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, But no, it gets worse. It gets worse, Tom. That's not the end of the story. Oh, gosh. Okay. The story continues. It continues to an AEW dark match very early on that was me, Peter Avalon, and Sunny Kiss in a three way. And I did the dive to the outside, the like twisty round on the ropes flip dive. And as I came down, for some reason, I don't know why, this finger like hit the ground and it popped from here to like here. So, like, the. Like, at the knuckle, it just popped out. It didn't go through the skin, but I had this weird lump, and my finger had moved Oh, god! I dislocated my finger here. So, obviously, I'm supposed to win the match. I can't just randomly not continue to wrestle the match now. So, I, like, I do the dive. I, like, get straight back up, and the crowd go, like, yeah! And then I walk down the ramp, and I'm trying to pull my finger back in, and it's not going. (laughs) And I'm, like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. So, I go around, and I, like, let the ref... Like, hey, can you just get them to just do something for a second while I try and get this fixed? And I go to Doc Sampson and I hang my arm over the apron and I go, Doc, can you do something? And he goes, yep, don't worry about it. And then just out of nowhere, and he just pops it back, just tugs on it and pops back in. So I carry on the match. But the problem was that I never got any physio or any doctor, like I never got anything done for it. I just taped it and then I'm good to go, Right. So my finger on this hand is got a lot better now.
1: But let me see if I can show you. But have you lost some of the uh, the, the the grippage for lack of a better term?
2: Here's
1: the example. I, oh yes.
2: So if I'm playing guitar, now it's got better that I can actually like play the guitar to a degree, but mm. I don't have as much motion when I'm playing the guitar.
1: Right. So, so your body so your body has kind money. of rebelled against you really in continuing a music career. <laughs>
2: I know, right? It, it, I think it was trying to tell me something. That's what I. That's what I keep saying. But yeah, music would have been where I went. That would have been the uh, direction if I'd not, you know. If,
1: if you if you hadn't damaged every part that made you if musical, I hadn't <laughs> if I hadn't wrestled, uh, let's so. stick with wrestling. Let's see your second match. So uh, we got Shawn Michaels on the second one for your first one. What's your second one gonna be then, Kip? Johnny Saint. Right. So I I
2: wanted to make sure that I I, I went for a full scope. So we've gone through my like we'll call it like. An American like TV pay-per-view match, right? Story there. All right. There's a match, and I it's 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 water sport. I could not tell you the exact date or the exact. You would find it on YouTube, and it is Steve Gray versus Johnny Saint, and it's where Steve Gray wins the light uh, the lightweight championship, and it's like thirty-four minutes. And is it thirty-four minutes? Like thirty something minutes. And from round one onwards, it is literally just beautiful to watch. It's seriously, if if you love watching technical wrestling, but to a standard where it's not just going through the motions of technical wrestling, which I think you can get a lot of when people are like, oh chain wrestling and it's just going through the motions the way they work this match is beautiful like the first round is basically just a courting hold the whole time and Steve Gray's doing this cool stuff around him and they go to the ropes and Johnny Sane takes it back and he locks it off and then they do it again and then it's boom and then Steve Grey gets straight back up they switch it but he goes back in and it's just like it's the, the, the pacing of like you know working 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 oh speed, speed 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 back down again and the, they, for the whole match, it's just this constant like really tight working, really cool reversals followed by like this gunning of speed and then straight back down again. And it's it's such a good like roller coaster to watch if you're new to a, a, a British wrestling style, I guess, um, that that match, if I need to get some like technical inspiration again, that's the one that
1: I always go to. So why is that? I mean cuz we we've, we've been doing this show for a good few years now and even with a lot of the american stars that join us there's a lot of love for world of sport why why do why do we think kip that the world of sport style transcends in this way i think it's different hmm. so
2: back then especially for like i think this match is 80s i guess um yeah so obviously back in in, in those times with English wrestling as well as American wrestling it was a lot more closed off it was a lot more uh, tighter knit about the workings of wrestling but I feel like the American wrestling style from that time which I also really enjoy watching was very animated and uh, like you had the guys that were working a very like like rough tough style guys like Arne etc who were very like you know it, it was very rugged and tough But then you also had very explosive, like bumps and things like that, that were very like over exaggerated, but in a, in a great way. Right. The, the, the perfect desk sells to the outside where it's like, this guy's just like flying himself around. Like that was the American, the British style, especially the British lightweight style. It was like, they had these really fancy flashy maneuvers, but it was very like gritty technical wrestling. Like Johnny Saint, for example, did some, some very funny reversals from things you know things like the uh, like the ear, ear you know what I mean? like that kind of stuff
1: right which he like which hop up big. and down on the spot and he'd be very vocal as he was doing it and yes. moving his whole body with it as well like yes.
2: which which, if you look at it looks very like like, uh, like it's comical to a degree but then whenever he has a hold in or he takes that hold it's aggression and you go yeah no I want to fight that guy like he's gonna, he's gonna mess. It up.
1: <laughs> he's gonna do something yeah. horrible to me.
2: Yeah, and, and I also think it's another thing of, especially for American wrestlers, is they probably weren't uh, exposed to the world of sports style at that time, and because it's a very different style of wrestling with the rounds, uh, the the public warnings, the 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 way that the commentators, the commentators are, There's some hilarious things that they. He's a very good-looking boy. Like. <laughs> <laughs> He would he would never intentionally cheat, Do <laughs> you, know, like you know what I mean? Like it's gonna, you know what I mean? Like,
1: like, like it's almost, at points. It's that. almost like snooker commentary, isn't it? It's almost yeah. like snooker commentary. Very relaxed. There's no like animation with it, but the
2: the way that that they structure their matches is the way that I learned to. To wrestle when I first started training at WAW, which was a very old school style with, you know, people like, like Sweetser and Jason Cross and Ricky Knight and Jimmy Ocean. And we'd get guys like, you know, Dave Taylor and Steve Gray and, you know, just all of these, these British wrestling legends that would come in and do seminars and things like that, that Watching that now, I appreciate it so much more than I did when I was learning. Because when I was learning to wrestle, I wanted to be, you know, a a a Rey Mysterio. I wanted to be a Jeff Hardy. I wanted to do the the crazy, cool, like, you know, like flying wrestling of that. So I, and I don't think I appreciated your Johnny Saints and your Steve Grays as much as now as, you know, someone that's been wrestling for 14 years or whatever it's been. Now I appreciate it so much more. So I feel like... For wrestlers that maybe weren't exposed to that at a younger age, now it's like you can really appreciate the different style of wrestling. Just like, you know, especially with AEW, which is what I love about AEW, is the fact that we do try and showcase a lot of different styles. Um like at the moment, there is a lot of lucha guys. There's a lot of lucha matches and, and there's a big focus on that. Then obviously, you know, especially early early days of AEW, there's a lot of joshi wrestling, which I don't think anyone was really exposed to unless you were a hardcore wrestling fan prior to that. So it's like, these are very different styles that have a very different way of doing things, but it's mixing it together with, you know, a universal style of wrestling. And I think that's why a lot of people take the British wrestling style. I know Danielson loves Loves the the world of sports style. Obviously, Zach is is you know he's a reincarnation of a of a world of sport wrestler. Oh god, but just yeah. but just with the attitude of Liam Gallagher, you know, what I
1: mean? <laughs> you know, it's it's so true. The, the the wonderful thing about world of sport and we'll, uh, before we move on is the fact that obviously it's that that sort of technical round style, a bit more slow and steady to win the race. That is what is fundamentally. People, a lot of wrestlers know it for, but then on the top of that, you've got Big Daddy, Daddy and Giant A-Stacks uh, who just run at each other done. with their bellies out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> that's so that's why I love things. it as well.
2: That's why I love it as well. It's it's like the extreme of like the the WCW. Like you had the lightweights like Di Malenko and Jericho and all these guys. It's like like all of these guys coming in doing these crazy like you know like cruiserweight matches, and then you go to the main event. And you've got, like, a very, like, slower-paced story, like, you know. Like Hogan Piper. Exactly. (laughs) This is, like, the extremes of that. Because you've got, like, you know, Johnny Saint and Steve Gray going out there and doing a 30-minute clinic. And then you've got Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks, where the entire match is, can I get him over the top rope? eventually (laughs) At some point. And will it look good? Probably not. but, (laughs) But the crowd love it. (laughs) <laughs> do you know what I mean? The crowd absolutely eat it up. Eat uh, you,
1: it up. The, you you talk about like how the one thing you love about AEW is just that broad scope of of, of in ring styles, but also a real scope for for creativity as well. And there's there's okay. three stories that that, that um there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of stories that really stick out with yourself, uh, okay. and, and one of them obviously I know we're always going to talk about about cardboard box kit but We're always going to talk about. It we um, talk about cardboard boxes I, I I mean for for one thing I love the fact that it was meant to be a paper bag but you couldn't find a paper bag <laughs> a true story
2: very true story so the box is literally I have to give uh, good old Shane uh the greatest driver of all time uh he he has full you know credit for me ending up with a box because he took me to UPS on our trip of trying to find the paper bag so yeah Shane Thank you very much. I have a box <laughs> somewhere in my room. I don't know where it is though. In the move I kind of lost the original box got lost, but we can get into that in a sec.
1: But when it comes to that, I'm intrigued to know like you um you started appearing after a long absence in the crowd uh with the cardboard box. Yeah. Uh, just just stoically just watching on. Uh how much of it is the, like a process with a number of people that puts it together or is it a bit of a seek forgiveness don't ask permission let's just find the sides and see where we go the latter it's the latter i'm getting a nod right so
2: i i mean i've talked about this especially on my like twitch channel i tend to talk i'll always do it at least like half an hour to an hour of random wrestling talk and i've talked about it a lot um i was given permission and I'd I'd explained the situation, uh, and Tony was totally fine with me doing it. Uh, the way that it came about in the first place, which I've also talked about, but we'll you know we'll just brief through it was the fact that I'd done the we'd done the mirror angle, um, with the best friends, and I'd got very very like hurt throughout that process here she is. Penelope Ford has made an appearance. Ah. Uh, Say hello.
1: Hello. Hi. How are you getting on? I can't hear you. Oh,
2: I've got the headset, but she's just <laughs> oh wait, we we brought the dogs for you. Uh um, oh, wonderful. So so box kept real quick. Um so I uh I've done the stuff with Miro and we've done the stuff with Miro, and then I uh got pretty hurt throughout that period of time, you know, long injuries I'd had for a while just started to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and worse until eventually uh, it got to that point where my arm was kind of like falling off. And I'd done the the good brother wrestling thing in my brain of, I'm just going to grit my teeth and bear with this while we get this story, you know, done. So the last match I had was the arcade anarchy match where I was kind of held together with tape a little bit. Um, and when I went away, I realized that, like, man, I've been wrestling for such a long period of my life without really any breaks. And now I have nine to 12 months with no wrestling. And I started losing my mind slightly because when you don't have that creative outlet that you had for so long, it kind of, you know, it affects you in a pretty negative way. Mm. So at that point I got very depressed, like very depressed. And I needed a creative outlet to have. Big Shia LaBeouf fan. He did the I'm not famous anymore stunt on the red carpet, and then did a bunch of other like life art stunts. And I was like, you know what, maybe I can do the same thing with wrestling so I can at least keep myself uh, relevant. Because, you know, as we know in wrestling, if you're gone for X amount of time, people will forget about you. And especially in a revolving business like we have today, where there's a lot of people coming in, there's a lot of, like, the, the roster is amazingly talented and stacked. Even back then, it was still talented and stacked. Now it's even more so. I needed something to at least, you know, keep myself having some form of relevancy. So I turned all of that negativity that I had at that point into maybe I can do this stunt. So I did it at All Out 2021. Couldn't find a paper bag when we were driving to the FanFest. So we stopped in the UPS, I said, have you got a paper bag? They said, no. They said, have you got a box that'll fit a human head? And they looked at me really weirdly, like this guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a guy in a suit asking for a box that'll fit a human head. So they. Isn't, went,
1: that, the, isn't that the end sequence of seven?
2: <laughs> I'm just stealing my life. <laughs>
1: how would you have wanted to have ended that
2: the box character
1: yeah process? it was did you have an end game in mind
2: yes it's it's a tricky one because with with wrestling things are ever changing and you know the thing i love about AEW is the fact that we do have um someone who is willing to hear ideas, take ideas, uh, merge ideas, whatever it is, that's willing for us to come with our own stuff. Um, unfortunately, I guess it was a victim of timing or whatever else was going on. But when we finally did the jump with Pack, which was the first like time that I came back, which was one of my favorite things that I ever did. I felt very creative at that point. We had one of the extras backstage uh, wearing the box. Uh, I gave him a black eye and tape over his mouth that said "Look behind you for the jump." Uh, it was very like Riddler, like now Riddler, the uh, the Pattinson Batman Riddler, um, which I really loved. Unfortunately, um, after the match with Pac, there was a little bit of a time period where I was, uh, you know, not on TV for a little while. And I feel like the the um, the impact that that box character, the unboxing or whatever you want to call it, uh, could have had kind of dwindled a little bit, and there wasn't really any real direction from there that was that was being pitched or analyzed or whatever it was. So I kind of, you know, it got lost in the shuffle, I guess is the pers- the perfect way to describe it. Um, I would have really liked to have delved more into the dark side of that character because I was drawing a lot of inspiration from a Riddler, Joker, kind of like Batman villain-esque uh, vibe. And then when we kicked back up with the one of my favorite things I've done in AEW entirely, which was the stuff with me in Orange, which was so much fun when it got round that there'd been so much time without the the mysterious box character, it felt a bit strange to be doing all this build up over the months and months and months, do the return, take the box off, have the moment with the box at the end, then not really do anything for a, a, a month or two or however long it was, to then randomly just jump back like nothing had happened. So yeah. I kind of kept the character quirks that I had from the box character. But the box kind of slowly made its way like out of the picture. Um, also, I did lose the box. That box that I had from the entirety of that process where I kept turning up ringside and working my way around into those like Halloween-esque shots in the background was the same box. I, I s- removed the tape and I velcroed it so I could like Unpack it and put it in my backpack. So, if I was at an airport and someone wanted a picture, I could put the box on. I was very methodical. Oh, that time wow. That time. So, I lost the box. And then I went, you know what? I think I need to, you know, continue to transition. Because I feel like with wrestling, you're still always trying to find that thing. You know what I mean? You're trying to find your ultimate self. And I feel like me right now is getting to that point where I'm combining everything that I've had from the independent super bad character to the super bad that was around at the start of AEW to the box character to then now transitioning into this culmination of there's still a dark side to me and there's still that like I'm gonna bite your nose off kind of situation Um, but I'm definitely leaning more into the sex idol like rock and roll billy idol-esque like you know lost boys Keith sutherland kind of vibe now and i'm i'm having a lot of fun with it but it's just one of those unfortunate cases where uh creative wise it just didn't fit into the plans and you know off it went but it's a wonderful memory and it definitely helped me get um get a lot of uh really good fan interaction and um, there's a lot of people that still have the 8 by 10s that i was giving out at all these shows which i was printing off myself from cvs and taking them with me and it, it was very guerrilla marketing uh there's there's some of my fans who have got tattoos of the box which is still mind blowing to me to this day <laughs> uh with like some of the phrases that i put on which a lot of those phrases which i we didn't really touch into a lot of the phrases were kind of Mirrors of how I was feeling in the personal life into this character. So I had like there was one of the lines that I always used that was, "Time doesn't heal; it changes you." Which is the idea that you know these these things can happen in your life. These emotional situations, you know, uh, you could lose a loved one. You could like have a really you know a, a sad thing that a bad thing that's happened and you can't simply just remove that from your life. So obviously when, unfortunately we had the miscarriage, um, which was, you know, it, it goes without saying, it's probably the worst moment of my life. Um, you can't just forget about it. It doesn't, the, the The brain doesn't work like that. But you have to evolve and change to be able to accept these changes in your life. You know what I mean? So I had these, there's, there's always real positives that I can take from The time i had in the box because it helped me get through all of these things that were going on in my life and also there's a lot of people that have reached out to me to say that it helped them at the same time you know so long live the box god rest the box's soul maybe one day he'll make an appearance i'm a I'm a new age version of Mick Foley. There'll be a, <laughs> there'll be like four different variations of Kip all on screen at once, and you'll you'll find out that I'm I'm quadruplets.
1: <laughs> <just> one <laughs> We've not seen you all in the same room. I'm the just say the Kip clones. I'm just uh, well, it, it, it's um, I love hearing just how autonomous you've been with your direction. Um, what are some of the conversations like with you and Tony Khan when like you turn up with like I've got this box and you go, I've printed these flyers? Like, how do some of those conversations go?
2: So Tony's really good at um at like I said earlier, letting us kind of f- figure some things out for ourselves and then he'll help to, you know, like tweak certain things that fit his vision for the show. Um, so again, that was simply a conversation of me and Tony had spoken. I'd said, I really want to do this, this underrated over it gimmick, because I felt like in that time that I was away and I would basically disappeared. Uh, We did the angle with Miro where he like broke my arm or whatever we were doing at that point. And then literally the week later, it was never mentioned again. So on a personal level, I took it as a, as an insult, you know, because as a wrestler, even though you appreciate everything that's going on in the show you yourself are your job which is it's it's a weird career because it's not like you're given a job like a role in a uh, in a movie where you know exactly what your position is in this movie as a wrestler we are constantly trying to develop our own job itself to then you know do what job is needed um and thankfully i th- i think tony understands and appreciates that I am a very good soldier in the fact that I will do whatever job is needed of me. And when I'm given that job, I will do my best to make it the the best situation that I can do. Whether it was, you know, when I was hurt and I was managing uh, Olivia, I was 100% behind. Okay, if we want to get over how you know, badass some of these girls are, which they are anyway. But if we really want to get that, why can't I go in there as the manager and why can't I take the bumps in these scenarios? So like Sheeta beat me up a bunch of times, you know, like situations like that where it added to the story for them and it made it look even more uh ag- aggressive from that point, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But that's my job. My job is whatever I am asked to do and i'll do it to the best ability so thankfully with tony understanding that he understood the vision that i had at least while i was away to make sure i was giving the fans something else because that's his main goal his main goal is to give the fans you know something that he feels like they want it's 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 he, he he's very passionate about our fan base and our fans So when I said it as I can give the fans something outside of the show, that when they're at the show, they have this extra experience at an AEW event that they will only get if they come to the AEW event. He was 100% behind it and basically gave me, you know, free reign within a certain parameter to just do whatever I wanted to do. Like appearing in the crowd and having this like... Which then developed into the pack scenario. So yeah, it was was very easy um, to like translate it to him, but as I say when it gets to that certain point where he's got all of these ideas and plans that he has for the entire show as a whole and I have this idea that is my whole but it's just a very small part of the grander scheme of things sometimes you know what my vision is doesn't work out at that time frame and you know that's the way it is and that's why you've gotta okay back to the drawing board let's go let's let's keep. Let's keep moving. Let's keep, you know, excitement because the underrated thing and I, I'm, I'm a very humbled human being. And I feel like our roster itself is so talented to the point that, and it's been shown time and time again, if someone is out injured or if someone is unable to, you know, compete or, there's a reason they can't do a certain role, we have about you know, 20, 30 other guys that are good enough to step up into that role. Which is great as a company, but it's very hard as a wrestler because trying to get into that point and hold it is very hard. So it's one of those scenarios where you know, you've got to keep trying to find that, that, that thing that is going to be the thing that jumps to that. But you've got to also understand that at the end of the day, the most important thing is the company, not the individual.
1: It sort of feels like it's it's a it's a similar scenario that I think Uber have, which is an unusual parallel to make. But in the sense, yeah, in the sense that if if, as a customer, like if you need a car, here's thirty seven cars that are available. But as an Uber driver, you might not get as big a bite of the cherry as you would normally because there are so many around. And like yourself, if you're away for a year and a half, there are many others who could. Perform in not exactly like Kip Sabian because there is only one Kip Sabian. No, can, I agree. But can certainly uh, do something in a particular hole. Exactly. While you're not there, and yeah. the, all that time away is time not spent. You know, stepping in, doing stuff, and putting yourself in the mix. So yeah. you created. You you essentially f- made a new hole for yourself. Is I, that- I, I, I created. <laughs> I created lift. I created other, you created lift, time. and I now. And so people want an alternative, and they can go to Lyft. Now I really like—I still really like Uber. You know what I mean? I want to get get back in that Uber yeah. game. It was when you came back, you started being very open about your ADHD diagnosis, and I and I, it's something I'd like to talk on because yeah, man, what, I love what, talking about it. What people don't realize is and um, uh, is that a lot of people are being diagnosed as adults with ADHD now, particularly yeah. women. Yep. Um because so many of the the symptoms are mistaken for something else. And when you actually do the research and, and you realize actually this is this there's this is not a new thing, it's always been there, but it now has a name essentially. Mm-hmm. What led you down the route to look into uh ADHD?
2: For so sure. So so it's actually I've told this story a million times. Um but for those that aren't aware of the story, it's it's uh it's now coming at you so when i was younger i was a very uh bouncy off the walls type child um i was very very animated continuously and when i was very young my parents took me to go and you know see a doctor this was in you know the 90s and when i went to see the doctor i was i was still pretty young and the doctor said he's too young at the moment for me to know like like if if there is something um but you know bring him back in a few years and we'll see. So in the nineties and my parents are the greatest parents on earth. I would never change them for anyone else. They are amazing. And I don't think that without the ADHD that I clearly have had, I would have got to the point that I am in wrestling because all of the, the negative things you have, the positives that I've gained from it has taken me down this path. So they never took me back because back in the 90s, there was a stigma attached to being a, a naughty child, if that made sense. And it definitely, especially when I was a kid, it definitely it, it prevented you from a lot of certain things if you were labeled, as we'd call it. Obviously, thankfully now, it's a very different world we live in. And I was able to, I, I found coping mechanisms because I had no idea that I had ADHD. So instead, I was just, you know, everything was, Simon is very intelligent. There you go, Simon, said his real name, uh, is, is very intelligent, but he just needs to focus. He needs to focus. And I was the class clown. I would always try and crack jokes and make people laugh, and I couldn't, you know, hold attention for long. But I did very well in school without actually uh, doing any kind of revision whatsoever, because I didn't have the patience study revision. So, but as I got older, and this is what a lot of people find, and this is why I think a lot of people with adult ADHD are now finding this out, is when you're a child, the symptoms are very different than when you get older. When you get older and you have this undiagnosed ADHD and you don't really know what's going on, it can manifest further into things like, you know, depression, anxiety, um, all of this kind of stuff. And it got to the point where I I even now i i have uh, some days worse than others but i do have a really terrible version of social anxiety uh i rarely am able to make eye contact with a lot of people if i don't know them it's it's i know there's all these little things that were like you know tick thingies because with 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 being neurodivergent just like with anything else there's like a i don't want to say a scale but like That You can't just say someone has ADHD and you know, oh, okay, ADHD, tick box. There's all these different things that you may have more of or less of or like everyone's brain is different in how it functions. So for me, it developed into a really strong anxiety and I was having a lot of issues with that. And then when I, you know, got diagnosed, it was, oh, that now makes a lot more sense. So for me, it was this relief moment. Because I thought there was something wrong with me for so long. And then when I got diagnosed, I was like, okay, I kind of understand this now. How can I like, find my own way to function in the places that I don't function very well in to a, 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 a better standard, should I say, is probably the best way. So I've, I've managed to, you know, through things like therapy and stuff like that, I've managed to find my my way of navigating what is seen as a very mundane task for most people, like a very simple, easy thing to do is like soul destroying for me to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the fact that people are now actively seeking out like, and again, the one thing I hate as well is there are a lot of people who watch TikToks or whatever the social media app they're watching is, and they'll see these, you know, ADHD 101 like videos and they'll go, oh yeah, I have trouble getting out of bed. I guess I have ADHD. And it's like, you can't just, you can't just like self-diagnose. You need, you need to go through it because otherwise you're going to start, you know, you're not going to find the help that you actually need in that regard. Do you know what I mean?
1: Because you're not so much gonna, um, you're just gonna go. Oh, I'm not getting out of bed. Therefore, it's that. Therefore, I won't worry I have about ADHD, getting out of bed. So I guess I'm not gonna get out of bed. That's it. Whereas, whereas the the true thing is to 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 get down to get that diagnosis and find ways to get out of bed exactly. rather than just accepting that that's just your fate. You exactly. Know? About actively, you know. And
2: I have really good days and I have really bad days. But you once you accept that, it becomes much easier. And I feel like a lot of people, I I was posting earlier um i feel like a lot of people should try and you know treat their mind just like they would try and treat their body because i think the mind is just as if not more important than the body and things like therapy and stuff like that is very healthy but it's only over the last you know few years that it's been seen as a strength to actually go out and seek help whereas before it was that culture of like you know just grin and bear it and deal with it you know don't be a wimp about
1: it especially know? with when, guys isn't it especially with, with men it was a, you know my dad was always one he has always been one to say you know just you know stiff up a lip keep calm and you know carry yep. on and 100% yeah you, know, you just got to just got to do it you got to just you know man up and man up is the word is it? it's man up and do it it, it is That's where it, it is. Really
2: is it really is but like i feel like the reason i'm so open about talking about it and my own experiences with it is i feel like no one should feel i've had people reach out to me before because they feel like you know they 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 feel what's the the term i'd use they kind of feel alienated um because of these you know mental health situations they have or because of certain conditions they have or how their brain functions compared to a neurotypical person but not many people talk about it openly so having people in like our field especially being able to say yeah no i have it and i'm you know i'm living my dreams because i'm you know it doesn't stop you or prevent you from doing stuff you just have to acknowledge that you have to go about things a different way in your brain because your brain doesn't chemically function the same way as someone else's you know
1: what does um you mentioned about having good days and bad days, and, and how yes. wide the scope is uh, for ADHD. What is it? What is a bad day like for you, Kip?
2: Um, trying to get out of bed uh, is is one of the. You can have a bad day where, for me personally, it will take me so long to get out of bed, or I'll I'll sit down on the couch and I need to go and do something, and it will take me so long to go and do this task. And people think it's like laziness or look at this guy, just, just lazing around. But what I don't think they realize is that for that entire time that I am stuck in whatever I'm doing, I am feeling so guilty trying to just motivate myself. Why can't I get motivated? Why can't you get motivated? And you start like, you know, self, self hating that scenario. It's not like it's as simple as, oh, he's just distracted or, oh, he's just lazy. It's, you have to fight your way through it. And sometimes it's not that easy. So for me, it's accepting that sometimes those days happen. Having a routine really helps me personally. Um, having a set structure to things really helps me personally. If I don't have a set structure to something, I find myself kind of just like drifting without really, you know, doing what I'm doing. So for me now, I started reading. Now that sounds weird because I didn't really, I can read, but I didn't really read books. So now I have this structure where before bed, which was the hardest time for me, because I would just stay up so late because my brain was like, bah, 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 So I started watching, you know, I'd watch movies or TV shows or, you know, social media. I have to stop myself doing it at a certain point. I don't really like social media too much. I've talked about this a lot. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, I understand that it is a necessity and there's some really positive parts to it. But especially things like TikTok and Instagram reels, you can fall in a hole. And you can be in that hole for hours on end. So before bed now, the routine I have, which is thanks to Liv, because she she helped me, you know, get around this because she also has ADHD. So that's a, it's a, it's a great, great situation. So now before bed, I get ready for bed, brush my teeth, whatever I'm doing. I get into bed. I turn on my reading light, bought a reading light. nice, And I'll read two chapters of my book. And then I'll fall asleep. And I sleep so well. And then when I get up in the morning, I don't go on my phone. Worst thing I can do is go on my phone. When I get up in the morning, I wake up, I get, uh, brush my teeth, I get the dogs, I let the dogs out, I go outside. And now I'm like, okay, what is my plan today? You know, so for example, today I knew what was going on. Boom, I've got my structure. If I don't have a structure, that's where I can start to, to go. So it's, it, it's about accepting the bad days where everything seems really hard. But there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're allowed I, I, to do that.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's that, isn't it? It's coming to terms with the fact that the bad days come and the bad days will yeah. always go.
2: For sure. And, and there's things that I do that I can't help. There is literally things that, so for example, yesterday is, perfect example. Olivia, when you come downstairs, can you bring... Uh, these glasses downstairs sure no worries got it went and did something else came downstairs oh did you did you bring the glasses ah no sorry i forgot upstairs grab the glasses bring them down i forget the i can go upstairs to go and get my car keys and i'll come down with you know something else and then i'm like what did i go up there oh my god car keys those little situations which are just small little things I, i i can't help it and it's about positive encouragement is what I find. Like, that's what we try and preach ourselves is, you know, if she needs me to do something and I forget it, or I need her to do something and she forgets it, or we get distracted in a different direction or whatever it is, we always positively encourage each other to get back to what we were doing. As opposed to when you're a kid and you get distracted, or you get off track, or you start, start one thing, but then you start something else and you forget about the thing you started, the mentality back then, especially in schools and places like that, was a negative response. And that doesn't help because negative responses with me don't help at all. So it's about trying to, I feel like it's it's not even just about, you know, uh, people getting diagnosed themselves, but it's about the people that are in their lives understanding how to help them in the right way, as opposed to negatively affect them in the wrong way.
1: You know? with you and with you now and i just went on a full tangent there (laughs) (laughs) but now it was good and as i said i will always bring you back and and that's what we're gonna do because because um i I feel like the way that you talk about it i think will encourage lots of people i know you you're very open about it on 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 your platforms as well but i think it'll do more good than you realize oh no for sure i i've i've definitely noticed that
2: it's it's helped a lot of people that have reached out to me personally saying, Thank you for actually being open about it, because now I feel more comfortable with my own diagnosis or oh, I only got diagnosed, you know, last year. And seeing you so openly talk about it made me deal with that in a in a better light. And that's not I don't do it for like some situation of like, oh, look at the white the white knight shining here trying to help people. I do it for I don't want people to go through, especially children, too, the same problems that I dealt with accepting myself for so long. Deep down, it's okay, you know. There are positives to take from it because I wouldn't be where I am right now without the hyper focus, without the the constant like you know, tunnel vision going into whatever I'm going into and stuff like that. You know,
1: that hyper focus can be a superpower at points.
2: It, it dude, it really is. 100% really is. Um, so that's why for years, I would always say like, hey, it's a superpower to me. There's the negative things that are like, you know, my kryptonite, but I wouldn't change it for the world, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, And I just realized we didn't even talk about the third match.
1: Uh, don't worry. We're on to it. We're not. Gonna, we're going to get there. <laughs> we're going to get. We're not done go yet? Go
2: me, go me,
1: Tom. Go me. We ain't done yet. It's all good. Very nice, good lad. For for as before, we get to your third match. The it's other amazing. thing I like to spring on people because it's always nice to get the instant reaction from it, as well as taking three wrestling matches. You're also allowed to take with you a movie, an album, and a luxury item. So. Got it. By luxury item, uh, that can be a bit of tech. It can be something to take uh, on the island with you. You may obviously want to take a board game. I assume that you might, but we can yeah. touch on that in a second. Uh, yeah. But your movie, if, if I told you you could take a movie with you, Kip, what movie would you take? Lost Boys. Straight in there.
2: It's Favorite film best ever? Movie of all time. Best movie of all time.
1: In, in my opinion, best movie
2: of all time. What I makes it, it.
1: It. What makes it the best movie of all time?
2: It's just so perfect for me. It's, it's, I really like, you know, horror movies. And it's not like one of those, oh my God, I'm so scared horror movies. The fashion is unreal. You have Tim Capello with a saxophone with his shirt off, you know, (laughs) but I always tell people, uh, so, so the guys from The Righteous, also big Lost Boys fans. Uh, We always talked about Lost Boys. And uh, the one thing that, I love about that movie is at the start of the movie, they have the doors, people are strange. It's the, it's the, the people are strange when you're a stranger, like that one, right? And it's literally the start of the movie is just shots of the world that this movie is set in, right? In their little, you know, their little world. And it just does the shots and it has the music playing. And by the time that you get to the first actual scene, you already understand the whole, like, premise of that area just through that one little montage. That's brilliant to me. You know, so it already starts off. I don't have to worry about the world. I already understand the world that we're in. And then just, you know, Kiefer Sutherland in that role is just phenomenal. Such a... And there's so many great lines in that movie too. You know, oh... Sorry, I'm. I'm going to watch it this evening. I think. So <laughs> this is the movie. Problem is, don't know if I have a TV, so that's going to be kind of hard to watch the movie. So I guess
1: you don't have it. It's 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 okay. You're in America. You haven't got to worry about the TV license thing. You can tell me if you've got a TV. <laughs> you told me I was on an island. Oh, oh, I thought you meant to I'm know tonight. This. Tom, I'm taking this seriously. <laughs> if, I, if I take the movie with me, then
2: now I'm going to have to take my luxury item. As, now, as, we're, we're
1: assuming there's a TV, because if, if I'm inviting you to take it. You because you've to watch you got to watch the matches on something. So assume there's a TV island. there.
2: I like this island. It's pretty good. There's okay. a TV
1: there. You're all good. Okay, so Lost uh, Boys the movie. Album.
2: album. Oh, that's a hard one. It's either going to be definitely maybe Oasis. Um oh, I love that album so much. Um oh that's a really hard one. Damn. Definitely maybe Oasis or uh probably a Billy Idol greatest hits. Cause I like Billy Idol a lot if you are not guessed probably that. Probably
1: right? the best of Billy Idol.
2: <laughs> yeah. Definitely we'll say definitely maybe because that's probably the album that I've listened to from start to finish the most times in uh, in my lifetime. It's a nice. great album. All Love right. that. Love that.
1: Um luxury item.
2: Oh. Uh all right. So I need I need multiple uses for this. I I need a good luxury item. Actually, to be fair. I'd need i I definitely need like some form of beard trimming equipment actually I don't want to be on this oh. island bro like uh you know castaway beard
1: realistic <laughs> do I have a power outlet
2: to charge
1: yeah we can give you a power outlet because you' have to you have to watch the TV so you need Yeah, because I could use the beard trimmer I could probably teach myself
2: to like cut my hair to a degree so I'd at least look good on my eye are there other people on the <laughs> island
1: um I'm going to say no it's on this occasion. Me. It's just you. Screw that then. Uh... <laughs> you can look however oh, you want. Man. You can, you oh, can look no, however you want. Some You're some fine. Of, I need some form of games
2: console. Definitely. Yeah. I have a TV. So some maybe my gaming PC. I'll take a PC because then
1: I've got more options for games. Nice. And then you can, can, can stream then. As well, Tom. Ew! You know, I'll I'll see if I can move a satellite in the general direction nice. of Cultaholic Island great. by the time That's you great. get there. Then I could stream. So yeah, we're good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're throwing yourself into the streaming world as of late, and it's more that. so than you ever have. Like, yes. uh, what's what's encouraged you to 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 throw yourself into it more so in recent in recent months?
2: Yeah. So so I started right before maybe like three or four months before the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, I decided because I've always enjoyed video games. I'm a huge video game guy. Um, I've always enjoyed watching streamers. Um, I've always been on Twitch watching people play video games and I love guys like Dr. Disrespect and these kind of guys. Um, so I was like, you know what? I wish I could stream. And we were living in, uh, Orlando at the time and Liv just said, why don't you just start doing it? And I was like, okay, I guess I'll start doing it. And I went out and I bought all the equipment I needed that day. Uh, set up my first stream and had a really good time. And then when the pandemic hit, it was great because I had so much time to stream. So I put a lot of focus into it. But I feel like back then I I focused too much in trying to get to the destination that I wanted to be at with streaming rather than going through the journey. So I tried to do things too fast with certain things. I burnt myself out massively. And then it got to the point that I was streaming less and less and less and it felt more like it was a... Because I, I, I never stopped streaming. I just had less and less streams. I wasn't streaming as often. I wasn't putting as much effort into my streams. I liked talking to my subscribers and the viewers that would normally join me because I liked having those discussions. But I didn't really put much into this the real like trying to develop the stream further. And then over the last few months, I I just decided, man, I loved doing it. My brother who works for NBC, uh he edits uh he he does their YouTube channel um he's a very smart man uh he was editing my videos back during that pandemic time and he just sent me a video like a month or two ago of one of the old edits he did and i watched it and i was like man that was so much fun i why did i stop having fun with it so i was like you know what let's try and revamp everything so over the last few months we've had a lot of meetings setting up a lot of ideas um There's a lot of really fun stuff coming to the YouTube channel as well as the Twitch streams. Uh, We have a podcast in the works. I've got some great collaborations with other people that are coming up. Um, And I'm enjoying it again now because I've got this, this passion behind it. And it was just sparked from him sending me a video like, yo, do you remember this? And I was like, yeah, I do. And all of a sudden I was like, no, let's put it in. I've got all the equipment. Let's like start really investing in this and trying to build something. And if it goes nowhere, I, I'm having fun with it, so why why is that an issue? You know, so yeah, I'm I'm really focusing on it at the moment. I'm having a lot of fun outside of when I'm in the ring.
1: Well, you can therefore we'll get an internet connection so you can stream on the island. Ah, oh, like thanks, man. You've argued, you've, you've argued your cause. forward slash the Kip There it is. There it is. Uh, your third and final match, then, Kip. We we've, we've we've covered the gauntlet. This is a uh, your last one. What are you gonna What are you gonna give us?
2: Right, so this is the one I tell everyone straight away. As soon as you said to me three matches, before you'd even finished, I knew exactly what I was going to say. Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi, Budokan, twenty twelve. One of it changed my entire scope on professional wrestling. It completely changed. It. I'm not. Have you seen this match? I
1: haven't. No. Okay.
2: So it's about forty plus minutes long. It's the big culmination uh, between Kenny and Abushi. Um, it's their big like blow-off match, and from start to finish, it's the most captivating thing that I'd seen at that point. And I, I'd, I'd not really delved much into the Japanese style of wrestling. I'd seen a few things or whatever whenever we were like you know trying to come up with some new stuff, but I can't remember who it was that put me onto this match as soon as it happened, and I've seen it like, so many times. Um, I've told Kenny a bunch of times how, yo, that match, like, still to this day, holds up amazingly well. It it was a different type of wrestling than I was used to. These guys start out, and just the opening spot itself, the back and forth is so, like, fast-paced, but, like, real and it gets to this point where there's some amazing near falls I'd never seen a runner from the top to the outside in the way that they did it when they did that spot like that blew my mind like the 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 you know top rope dragons and all these like crazy spots but like the story and the emotion they were selling throughout the match was just I don't know man it just caught me differently than the way psychology previously to my brain I understood it because it was it was like a physical psychology at this point, you know, it was a physical emotion that was going on, and there's a point where they punch each other pretty much legitimately, like it's it's it literally ticks every box for what I then went, wow, this is what I want out of wrestling, you know.
1: How excited were you to get to tell Kenny Omega how much you loved that match? Oh, great,
2: hundred percent. I I told Abushi the other day as well. When I, <laughs> I was like, man, that that is my favorite match. I said, Budokan twenty twelve, you and Kenny, and he was like, ah, like because you know that's. I'm sure, I'm sure that match probably means just as much to them as it does to me. And if it doesn't, I'm okay with that, you know, because to me that was that moment where we talked about those like click moments in wrestling, where it's like, ah, oh, okay, I see things on a different level now. That was one of those moments where I went, okay, this is a different like type of wrestling than i've really been you know exposed to and i think i love it like this is this is what i love to watch so that that was why when i got to go to ddt um in february that was such a big moment for me because you know in 2012 young kip at that point was like oh i want to do this this is where oh, i really want to wrestle here so when i got to do that and I even talked about it in a couple of the interviews as well that I did for DDT where like, you know, ever since I saw that match, that's where I wanted to go and wrestle. And uh, yeah, so I got to tick that one off the uh, the list. Now I just have to do it in Budokan. That's what I need to. I need to have that match. Maybe not that match, but a match in the same uh, in in the same setup. But yeah, that if you can go out of your way to find that match in its in, in entirety, it's it's great, man. It's 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 phenomenal.
1: Uh, in terms of uh, future goals and stuff like that obviously recently it's been reported that you've resigned with AEW they've got you on the books for another 3 years which was, was was must have been a wonderful bit of news to get
2: uh, of course yeah i mean i i i didn't i love it when these things come up i love when these things come up because the way that now the curtain has been pulled back there's all this like speculation and talk and this kind of stuff i had no intentions of, of, of going anywhere else from, you know, confirmed or not, whatever was reached out to me. I, I wanted to stay because I genuinely love being in AEW. Um, so yeah, for me as well, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a pat on the back because it's, we would still like you. So we had, you know, we had that, that conversation, we came to an agreement and I was very happy with the agreement and they were very happy with the agreement and I'm still an AEW boy yes so, so yeah it's so, it's it's definitely uh it's definitely the situation where there's a lot of things i want to do over the the time that i'm still in AEW. so
1: yeah well i was that was where i was going to lead this to right. so looking ahead so obviously the one thing that, that we've talked about today is how how proud you are of the fact that you are a guy that can fill a hole <laughs> but i have uh, always been great at filling holes you've been phenomenal at filling holes uh and you've been very proud of that uh but but obviously you must and, well. and that's it sometimes <laughs> um but there's there, obviously there's things that you want to do we've just mentioned one of them of there about the Budokan. um but what are some of those things you love to do let's let's manifest some destiny for kip sabian today yep.
2: uh i i've i've been i've said it before and i'll say it again um I want to, and I will make sure that at some point I do become the international championship holder. Um, When me and Orange had that feud, um, I think that not only got overshadowed, but I don't think many people realized how good that short run that we had together was and how much more there is that could be done from that going forwards. Um, I want to like i say i've always been a good soldier i'm now at the point where i 100% know my worth for how good i am and i want to be able to have those matches with that time frame with cuz that's the thing with wrestling right if there's a if there's a match that goes on for a a, a good amount of time you have the ability to showcase you know, all of these extra things that you don't really get to show in a shorter match period. So yeah, my goal is to just keep wrestling the best wrestlers that there are and, you know, get to that point where people start to realize how good I am. Because I've recently realized fully how good I am. And I think there's a lot of people who are still on the fence or are still unaware of how good I am because of what they've seen of me so far, which I can't blame them for. That's the thing. But give me that opportunity and I'll show you exactly what I can do.
1: And that's something you're very passionate about because that's the couple of times during our chat today that, that that has come up, the fact that people don't know how good you are. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And here's the thing. I do not have... Any issues with people not being a Kip Sabian fan? 100%. Because there's people that I'm not a fan of when it comes to what I watch in wrestling. But... There's a difference between not being a fan of someone and not understanding how good they are at that job. And my job is to be the best version of myself that I can be. And that's what I want to keep pushing forward. Like, here's a great example of someone who who has had... At my current situation in wrestling the current like period we're in i think christian cage is like the one of the greatest wrestlers ever from the development that he has as a character now is just so good it's amazing christian is another guy who if you go back and there's a lot of people that have said the same thing he was so good at doing his job throughout the years that a lot of people never gave him his flowers outside of the people he'd worked with but if you ask anyone, you know, the best people they've been in the ring with, I'm sure if they've been in the ring with Christian, he's one of those people that they would say, he's on another level. And that's that's where I'm at with wrestling at the moment, where when I wrestle with people like Sting and these guys, they've only had positive things. The Hardys, they've only had positive things to say when it comes to you know how i'm wrestling in the ring so now it's that point of okay i am more than happy with these guys knowing but now let's let's show what i can really do when given that ball that's that's my my
1: future goal going forwards and we want to be with you every step of the way as you hey, do hey, show Tom. that um, where can people find you to join us uh, watching you kid where can they find you online
2: the kip sabian on basically everything uh on x or twitter or whatever it's called now it's the kip sabian instagram the kip sabian i have a tiktok but i don't run it my brother does at the kip sabian uh youtube the kip sabian and twitch.tv forward slash the kip sabian i'm live at least every monday and then fridays sometimes i add some extra streams in there depending on my schedule because being a wrestler you never know where i am but definitely on mondays
1: amazing kip sabian uh, is is going to prove himself to the yes, wrestling tom. world whether, yes, he oh, the... <laughs> whether he wants to or not ah you got me whether he wants to or not thank you for joining us on Cold harley island thanks Kit. tom